Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, and Thanksgiving week is here, and for Dynasty and our fantasy leagues, that means no bye weeks. I wanted to go to start off the show, look at the top five takeaways from utilization uh, for the running back depth charts here coming out of week 11. What is instructive for us going forward? Let's start off with Pittsburgh. And Jalen Warren has been rising. This strikes me a lot as a Tony Pollard type situation where everyone is assuming that Jalen Warren should be getting 60, 70, 80% of the backfield. The other guy, Najee Harris in this case, Ezekiel Elliott previously in Dallas, is no good. But this has been an interesting watch because Jalen Warren has produced beyond his expectation with the opportunities and the market share he has been receiving. This offense has just been running through two running backs a little more often uh, and a little more density than you know, a previous and most offenses in the NFL would. And this is a smart thing with Kenny Pickett, frankly, not being the answer and not being someone that elevates his situation. Here's the, here's the thing you need to know. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris this past week, and consistently, both in the 30 to 35% route, uh, route share range. That's not going to get it done. Also, Najee Harris still 57 to 43 in terms of the rushing market share split in the backfield. So Jalen Warren, for as much as everyone wants him to be a full workhorse back, it's not happening. And Jalen Warren had a long touchdown run. Those are tough to predict. So I get that Jalen Warren's start rate is rising. Just know this is a risky situation from a utilization standpoint because he's still on the wrong side of this running back committee. And it is a full committee. And Najee Harris is still going to be involved. He has the lower floor because he relies more on volume. He has less big playability. And he's one that needs the goal line opportunities. And the... Steelers are one of the worst in the entire NFL in producing goal line opportunities for the running back position. The Steelers have just four goal line attempts for the running backs all season. The only teams equal or fewer this season are the Giants, sorry, Saquon Barkley, the Broncos, sorry, Javante Williams, and the Jets. Thank goodness they're utilizing Brees Hall as he gets healthier in the screen game because that has basically been the run game for the Jets this season because they are not sniffing the goal line. The next running back situation is in Houston. Devin Singletary, the workhorse. Who had this one coming where Mike Boone is the clear and distant number two running back here? But here's the takeaway. Damien Pierce was supposed to be back in week 11. He wasn't. Is he going to be back in week 12? So the only way you survive and thrive fantasy-wise on this offense is if you are the unequivocal workhorse role. Well, Devin Singletary the past two weeks, we've had that. Now, the problem is the first game, we had no idea it was coming. We had zero data points, and this was 
was one that Damian Pierce had been one of the most disappointing fantasy options this season at the running back position based on August expectations, especially if you had been told C.J. Stroud is going to elevate this passing game and elevate this offense in general. Devin Singletary, though, this past week, 73% route share, 96% rushing market share. Now, here's the problem, and it's similar to what is in Arizona, which is when you have a workhorse, there is still a limited ceiling because the high leverage opportunity score is so low from goal line and targets and those optimal situations. For Houston, they are 31st in running back targets per game this season. They are middle of the road in goal line opportunities per game. And what happens there is the moment uh, Damian Pierce comes back, this is going to be back to being a fantasy avoid situation. Now, if he misses week 12, we have confidence in Devin Singletary. We have a two-game sample size that he is going to get a workhorse foundation back role. So even with low helo, you can survive and you can even be a stronger running back two with running back one upside because you're seeing so much of the market share of an offense. So So it's a good overall offense for Houston with the quarterback situation, the passing game to open opportunities for Devin Singletary or a workhorse role. However, it is one that if you start splitting the pie almost at all, it becomes an avoid situation. So enjoy it while we have it. If Pierce is out this week, Singletary is going to be in our lineup. But the moment Damian Pierce comes back and siphons away and creates some sort of running back committee, that is the moment this situation erodes just like it had been for months leading up to the past two weeks. The third takeaway for the running back depth charts coming out of week 11 is in Miami. Devon Achan is a Ferrari, a sports car that is constantly in the shop. And he made it just a, a couple of touches before exiting yet again. Could he be back in twe- week 12? Who knows? But Raheem Mostert was a workhorse, 71% route share, 85% rushing market share. Salvin Ahmed, his stock is rising. He's out there on some dynasty waiver wires, and we need to stop messing around with picking him up, dropping him again. He surpassed Jeff Wilson on the depth chart. Jeff Wilson was a healthy scratch. Raheem Mostert, even if we have Achan back in a given week, start Mostert until you have unequivocal uh proof that he is going to be on the lesser side of a committee, which we still have really not seen this season. Then Salvin Ahmed, here's the one thing I wanted to draw. Between Achan, Mostert, and Ahmed, what do they have in common? Brute speed. Brute speed. They signed and acquired Chase Claypool merely because he's fast. Jeff Wilson is different than those other three running backs. Jeff Wilson, by comparison, looks slow, like he's stuck in mud. And frankly, this is an offense built on getting guys into space and just carving defenses up based on speed and design. Salvin Ahmed can do that. Jeff Wilson cannot as well as Raheem Mostert is able to do that. So Ahmed is one of the, if he's out there, pick him up, even if technically in a given week he's the running back three because Achan is back, it doesn't matter. Bet on the Ferrari going back in the shop. Achan is going to be great when he's healthy. However, we just saw a partial game can derail you to just a touch or two. 
So eventually he will string it together because you're injury prone until you're not. And Achan is a shooting star comet for what he can provide, even with 10 to 15 touches in a game. Ahmed, though, is going to be one that they've already utilized him as a split-out receiver. They've given him some deep routes. He is one that can benefit heavily if Mostert gets dinged up or even being the number two option down the stretch of this season uh, behind Raheem Mostert just because Achan is missing more time. The biggest loser in this backfield is definitely Jeff Wilson. There was a lot of assumption that he was going to come right back and be the running back two when healthy. That hasn't really happened. And frankly, he doesn't blend as well with this offense as the other three running backs. So even with Achan being dinged up, Jeff Wilson is still not one to circle back and assume that he is a strong dynasty rostered player. He is not. And as long as Salvin Achman prioritize him on the waiver wire this week and going forward. Number four in this five-pack of running back depth chart takeaways is in Seattle. Kenneth Walker probably going to miss a little bit of time. The current projection is back in week 14. Obviously, that is uh, fungible and, and movable and flexible there. But Zach Charbonnet, what he was able to do in terms of monopolizing that depth chart, they don't want to use DJ Dallas on offense more than they have to. He's a core special teamer. And so Zach Charbonnet, 75% route share, 95% rushing market share, and that was in a game that Kenneth Walker did play at the very beginning. Uh, And Charbonnet basically was a workhorse beyond the point of Kenneth Walker exiting the game. This is not an overly strong offense. It's an average offense and high leverage opportunity score. However, when you have such a high market share, this is Christian McCaffrey level. When you venture above 70% routes and you venture above 80-85% rushing market share, your floor and ceiling combination in fantasy is sky high. So this is one where Zach Charbonnet, the whole talk was, well, you're going to need an injury. Well, we got the injury. And he's he might be in the Alexander Madison type situation of unless there's an injury, he's not really a fantasy lineup option for the majority of his rookie contract. However, uh, we have it right here, week 12, maybe week 13, 14, how long this goes, we will see. But he is an auto-start player now that we have the clarity that Kenneth Walker is out. Very exciting confirmation that his market share was as high as it was in terms of utilization in week 11. And finally, on the, in the same vein, number five, Washington Commanders. Brian Robinson has has been a quality fantasy option this year, but he's been lingering in the 25, 30, 35% route share range for most of the season. The number two back is Antonio Gibson. He has more... Uh, He has more cachet in the receiving game. And Chris Rodriguez has been a distant number three. He is more of the two-down thumper or uh, two-down mirrored player to how Brian Robinson has been used. So Robinson has been the clear rushing preferred option, but it's been lackluster in terms of his route share. In week 11, we saw Antonio Gibson out of the lineup. And that led to Brian Robinson, 71% route share, and we actually saw 68% for his rushing market share 
because, again, I've looked at the two running backs behind him. Gibson more receiving-centric, Chris Rodriguez more rushing-centric. And that led to Rodriguez being mixed in more, but more so in the ground game, and they used Brian Robinson in the receiving game. This unlocks tremendous upside for Brian Robinson down the stretch of this season. Any game Antonio Gibson misses. There's yet to be significant missed games in this backfield. Zero missed games for Brian Robinson. But seeing that data point, Antonio Gibson has been falling out of favor. He's a 2024 free agent in the offseason as well. He's one of my favorite stashes, almost in the Latavius Murray or otherwise uh, type of mold of we have data points on him as a successful NFL starter, yet fell out of favor. And now he's probably going to go somewhere as a backup in free agency with starter upside. And that's going to lead to a strong stash play here in the offseason for non-contending teams uh, with Antonio Gibson. But it's exciting to see Brian Robinson. He's had uh, a few big receptions that, and gains that you cannot predict uh, that is well beyond expectation with these dump-offs from Sam Howell going to the house 40-plus yards. However, uh, just the overall usage and expansion of Brian Robinson in the passing game was the missing link between someone that is a running back two with running back one moments versus someone that could be more consistently viewed as a running back one in games where Gibson is out. I wanted to go over two trends of the week as we get through 11 weeks of data points here in high leverage opportunity score or HELO as I commonly refer to it. We're looking at weighted goal line carries for the running back position combined with targets at the running back position. And here are the two trends. Both negative trends based on where we were early in the season. First one is with the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs is a workhorse back. However, the last three games have been the worst three of the entire season. Actually, the last four. They finished 18th, 20th, 25th, and they're dead last here entering Monday Night Football on week 11. And that is after finishing in the top half every single week in weeks one through seven. So this change in quarterback from Jimmy Garoppolo to Aiden O'Connell has been bad news. Also, we have an offense that is finding goal line opportunities far less frequently. Plus, we have a situation where Amir Abdullah, the running back two, is getting mixed in, only taking away routes from Josh Jacobs, as opposed to someone like Zamir White coming in for three, five, six carries a game, and they're relatively empty calorie or meaningless ones between the 20s and outside of the red zone, where it's unlikely to be an efficient use of that energy, an efficient use of a touch for someone like Josh Jacobs. Where do we want Josh Jacobs? We want him in the passing game, and we want him finishing off drives at the goal line. And he is one that does get opportunities when they get down inside the five-yard line. The problem is the threat of the passing game is minimal, so they gear up to stop Josh Jacobs. They're not overly creative on getting Josh Jacobs touches near the goal line. And then the third part is they're generally not getting down there because of Aiden O'Connell and because of uh, not finishing and not sustaining drives as successfully as previous in the season. This was a team that was number three in the opening month of season in Hilo. They were 15th in the second month of the season. And like I mentioned, they finished 20th or lower each of the past three weeks. The second running back depth chart that is trending the wrong direction is the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys in the opening month of the season were number one, numero uno in Hilo score and, and trend lines. Since then, 
they have been on a downward trajectory and the most concerning part is the last four weeks last four weeks their best finish has been 12th in the opening seven weeks that includes an early buy that they had their worst finish was 12th so we're basically looking at two different teams since the bye week we've seen Dak Prescott and the passing game we've seen Michael Gallup take off we've seen a couple of big games out of Brandon Cooks and the tight end position we're seeing Luke Schoonmacher just a little bit more mixed in he had a touchdown this past week but what we are seeing is Tony Pollard that he had Earlier in the season, he had a lot of, he's owed touchdowns. He's not producing. Uh, He's had some goal line opportunities that have been stuffed. And unfortunately, now they're moving away from Tony Pollard. Fortunately, he scored this past week. But they are moving in a direction of saying, Dak Prescott, it's on your shoulders. You've been doing a great job. And this offense is going to lean around the quarterback more so than previous iterations, previous seasons. We saw Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in combination, and they fed running backs quite a bit. Now we have workhorse Tony Pollard, and again, they're moving starkly and Visually, it's very easy to see where this is going. And Dallas has, like I said, drifted from the number one team unequivocally in the opening month of the season. They're still fifth on the season overall, but we're seeing them trend line very sharply in the, uh, in the wrong direction. And it would not be a surprise to see them by season end outside the top 10 the way this is moving. So again, they are, have not been good over the past two months. And Dallas is one that now they are finding viable options. They're playing Jalen Tolbert. Like I said, two tight ends are getting into the mix. Brandon Cooks was in a malaise earlier in the season. He is ramping up in his playmaking ability. They're scheming up C.D. Lamb in the red zone. They're doing a lot of positives, and it's on Dak Prescott, not on Tony Pollard in a foundational fashion like we've seen in previous iterations with this offense. As trade deadlines loom, whether it's this week, next week, hopefully, fingers crossed, more Dynasty Leagues than ever don't have a trade deadline at all late in the season here. But I wanted to leave you with one overarching recommendation and piece of advice that applies to all of you that are in especially leagues where you may be falling out of the race. Trades and and opportunities where you say, I'm falling to three and eight. I'm falling to four and seven. I'm three games out with three games to play in the regular season. And it's just not going to happen for me this year. I am now, or I have been, a non-contender. And too many times I see owners sell productive veteran profiles for essentially nothing or very low cost, and you're basically giving a free rental, but not just a rental. A lot of times, you, uh, too many folks are assuming these are one-year plays, or the moment you, like uh, Cinderella, the moment you strike midnight, the moment this season ends and you're in January, these players are of no value to you, no consequence to you. And while they may not have appeal in the offseason during dynasty roster bikini season uh, it is the the type of player that you want to stick with the Mike Evanses of the world uh, and this example trade I wanted to share is Tyler Lockett being traded for a future third round pick and there's two things with this deal first of all it's a pick in 2025 and so you are trading Tyler Lockett for a third round pick in 2025 where you're not getting any real benefit uh, that if you're not contending this year, it's a it's a 
rhetorical question, but when are you competing? And the answer is week one, 2024. And this pick does not help you. Uh, if you get to next season, you're going to go look around in the regular season and say, oh, I'd like to supplement my wide receiver core. Maybe I can find someone like a Tyler Lockett and I can buy for a third round pick. So selling now, you're helping out the other team. But it's not just, this is different than, I'm trying to think back, was it Derek Mason or Steve Smith where you might be 35, 36 years old? I think then you can probably more accurately posit that a wide receiver is in a one-year window or uh, you were in these these spans of time in the mid-30s where I think there was a year before then he went to uh, broadcasting and came back Jason Witten for example or a 35 36 year old Tony Gonzalez where you say they're in a one-year window we need to view them in that prism serious retirement risk but Tyler Lockett is still a vibrant producer he's in his younger 30s and yet just giving him away for a third round pick or Mike Evans for a contending second. These types of deals, these aren't on one year window players. And that's my biggest issue is that you want players like this. You don't want, you don't want your whole team to necessarily be these types of players, but you're giving away a player that would be in your lineup most likely week one next season. And so be very careful about assessing players and do you really think they're on a one-year lens versus not and the other part is cost because you know let's say even if you viewed Aaron Rodgers let's say he was playing this year or again what's his cost going to be next season at 40 41 years old it's still all-timers you should you should generally side with their all-time players and they might keep playing in an all-time trajectory and so, especially when you have those type of pro profiles, when you give them up for a third or a late second, it's risky because I hearken back to a deal I made years and years ago where I got Drew Brees still vibrantly playing for the Saints on the assumption that he was going to retire or Tom Brady, similar premise. I think it was his a down year in uh, New England. Those players ended up playing multiple more seasons Brady winning a Super Bowl beyond that point, and Drew Brees uh, having two to three more seasons just because the assumption in their late 30s or with Brady in his early 40s that he was not playing anymore. But all-time players can have all-time outcomes, Tony Gonzalez being a, a state in point. Now, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, are they on that level? Maybe not, but they're still young enough they have ticked over to 30, but they're not 34. They're not 36. And I think you have to have a prism of when you're competing next and then cost. If you want to sell Mike Evans for a first round pick as a non-contender, I can understand that. I can't understand trading for a contending second. I won't understand Tyler Lockett being traded for a third. So especially be careful. We always talk about trying to buy a championship, cashing in all your picks, and not making a dynasty trade when you're contending. But the flip side applies here for non-contending teams. You need to plan on being uh, competitive next season. And picks are a, a, a liquid asset that can get you somewhere. But I think my point earlier, which was a third round pick in 2025, if you do trade it, it will probably be in some form of saying, I would like a bridge player, please. I would like a player that is productive and helping my lineup. And frankly, it may be in next October, a player like Tyler Lockett. 
and you traded them away in a package to basically get that pick. So be very careful about projecting ahead and when you're going to be competitive and when you are competitive, which is next year, what will you want on your team to help facilitate that competitiveness? And Older wide receivers are ones that it's tough to get wide receiver right. It's tough to project who's going to turn from promising to good or good to great. And therefore, if you already have a great option, they just happen to be a few years older, be careful about being someone else's farm system. You've had this player for years, and now you're selling for a strong, staunch discount just because you are not contending over the next three to four weeks. Finally, I want to shout out for the UTH Best Ball Contest. All the super fans and VIPs are in there competing against Katie Flower, Jordan McNamara, Tim Torch, and myself on an annual basis. And it is a weekly contest that is aggregated for prizes on the given season. And it comes down here in week 11 to two names. First of all, we have Mike E., uh, he is currently the leader in the clubhouse going into Monday Night Football. Um, he has Jerk McKinnon, Kenneth Gainwell still playing, and he has the, again, in the clubhouse score and benefited greatly. Big performances out of Brock Purdy. Trevor Lawrence's four total touchdowns this week. He stands to benefit with Aaron Jones out for A.J. Dillon potentially in future weeks. Also had some good usage out of Brian Robinson this week with 20 plus points. Brandon Ayuk is a stud. He found the end zone and for about three or four times this season, Calvin Ridley has been an impact player and that helped Mike E in week 11. The biggest challenger to uh, potentially take down the week uh, week 11 title is Jamie Paulos. Uh, Jamie Paulos is a little bit behind, but you know what? It helps to have Travis Kelsey going. It's a juiced up tight end format. He's only down by about 18 points. So uh, as long as he gets 20 something from Travis Kelsey in this beefy premium uh, format best ball, uh, he could potentially and maybe likely takes down the overall title this week. Got good games out of Jordan Love. Brock Purdy was a duplicate. Uh, He's been riding James Cook this season. Jalen Warren isn't even getting big volume, and he's finding his lineup quite a bit, had 25%. He also has Calvin Ridley in this best ball and salary cap based format. Um, And he even survived down games so far from the tight end position. Hopefully Kelsey helps him out, but Tyler Conklin and Jake Ferguson in his lineup. So congratulations to Jamie and Mike uh, for finishing probably one, two in some ordering of this contest this week. And as always, it's always uh, over on the platform, myfantasyleague.com, where I play my, uh, all my customized dynasty formats, especially if you're doing Debbie Uh, or you have a lot of twists and turns with scoring, Uh, My Fantasy League is a great outlet to do so. Thanks so much for listening this week. As always, you can find the premium shows, well over 400 shows this year, cranking them out on a weekly basis. Things like the Running Back Roundup show on UTH Premium. You can get on all your podcasting devices. I call it the black label, but that's where you get the feed of premium shows. You get Running Back Roundup, all 32 depth charts covered in depth on a weekly basis. You also get things like the running back and and quarterback injury away matrices. You get a custom over at Patreon. You get a custom waiver wire show in addition to having Tim Torch on as we talk a variety of topics. This week, we're going to do a fantasy draft for Thanksgiving food. So that's going to be a good on topic and thematic show this week in addition to some other Dynasty content, of course, and the VIP chat. Every single week we're talking waiver wire, we are talking lineups, and 
pretty soon we're going to be talking startup drafts. We all vicariously live through each other and help each other out as we draft our new teams or deal with a dispersal draft, make some trades. And again, coming down to the trade deadline, you want instant responses. We can create polls. You get uh, a lot of good dialogue with dozens and dozens of the best dynasty owners on the planet. And I'm in there answering questions on a near hourly basis as well. So that's at patreon.com slash UTH. And also, if you're listening to this show, try out the premium stuff and get all the good stuff. You've got rankings that are updated every single week and season. And we're getting closer to turning the page into off-season mode. That happens in December every single year. And start looking at the macro 2024 player value landscape. And that's becoming a general manager plus subscriber at UTHDynasty.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Chad Parsons. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, keep building those dynasties.